One does not simply walk into geekdom. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. You're a nerd. Damn right. I'm a nerd. Naturally. All things geek are up for grabs. Music. Skits, comedy, or sitcoms. Dr. Who. I love Tim. Hurt. The Flash. Green Lantern. The Trinity. Batman. Superman. Wonder Woman. The Joker. Wait a minute. I want to talk about the Joker. Star Wars. Love me some Star Wars. Magic. I'm an art guy. Paranormal. Halloween is life. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hey, nerds and nerdettes, it's Jared here. Um, before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to apologize in advance for the audio quality we've had in the last handful of episodes we've done, including this week's episode. Um, when I go to record with Melissa, I've been trying different styles of recording with different microphones and either recording on my laptop or on my phone. So hopefully from here on out, we should have no issues. But tonight's episode, just like a few of the last couple ones we've done, it's a little hard to understand me. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up and uh, thank you for being patient and continuing to listen. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, nerds and nerdettes, to the Nerd United Nations podcast. I'm Melissa Nicholson, a representative of the Great White North of Canada. And with me, as always, is my co-host and ambassador for the Midwest United States, Jared Boots. How are you, Jared? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> That's good. Just trying, just trying to survive. <laughs> How about you? I think about the same, trying you know, survive each day and, you know, get through it and not melt because of the heat. <laughs> and now we beat the heat. I sit in a tiny walk-in closet talking to a, to a Canadian about nerdy shit. <laughs> so I do to beat the heat. <laughs> You're sitting in my air conditioned bed, but no, I'm sitting in a tiny closet, hot, tiny closet. <laughs> so I don't have to listen. You guys don't listen to my chair creak anymore. Yep, you were so not allowed to use that chair anymore. <laughs> yep. It's like that I have an exercise ball in the living room so I can stretch my back out before we record. Mm. And after we record. <laughs> yeah. So, what brings us here today? Well, what brings us here today is, um, you know, when you watch movies and, you know, there's those, those little scenes or moments where it's just, you, you kind of, it's, it's not awkward, but it, you kind of squirm a little bit. So, it's it's a little uncomfortable, it's like, you, you could either you might feel the pain of whatever character's going through or, you know, what just happened to them or whatever. And so today we're going to talk about um, the most squirmish scenes and the, the ones that really um, kind of make us feel a little bit, like, uncomfortable when we, when we watch these particular scenes. So <laughs> I'm sure everybody's got got their feet that they just 
oh, you know, or, or feel awkward with or s- some kind of uncomfortable feeling. So we thought it would be uh, kind of an interesting topic to, to talk about because it's not really one that's, that's talked about often. Yeah, and it's and uh, to put a disclaimer on it right now, it's not necessarily we. It, there seems we can still watch, but mm. it's still kind of when you sit there and watch them, it's like, uh, like is this been over yet? Like you can still watch it, but it takes a little extra effort to get through it. Yeah, but yeah. we're up. Uh, like most of we're talking about that, but that'd be all dooms and gloom. We're also going to talk about our top five favorite movie scenes of all time, too. So we're going to end on something light, too. So we're going to just all, all squeamish today. We're going to throw a little cheer in there, too. Oh, not necessarily cheer. That's a, that's a generous word. But our five favorite movies of all, favorite movie scenes of all, of all time. Mm-hmm. So... Melissa, do you have any honorable mentions for your squeamish list? Yes. Um, I've got five honorable mentions. I seem to be on a theme with five. I don't know. It must be a favorite number or something this time around. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my my uh, honorable mentions are uh, Dumbo, the mother scene. She gets... Separate, although it's basically like the first 20 minutes of, of Dumbo, the Tim Burton version. Oh, it is like Niagara Falls of Tears. <laughs> and it's just, it's one of those kind of, not really squirmish, but it's just, it's an uncomfortable thing and you really feel for, for the character. And it's just, you know, it's, it's definitely, it feels like it goes on forever. <laughs> and um, most recently, um, I watched, I finally got to watch Dr. Sleep, and I absolutely loved the movie. It was freaking amazing. Um, But one of the scenes was a baseball boy scene, and it's basically this boy who has psychic abilities. um, He gets noticed by these psychic vampires, and they basically, how they survive is by psychic energy, and they soak it up. And they call it steam. So they soak up all that energy. And basically how they have to get it is they have to kill this person. And so this boy who, talented baseball player, um, really, you know, seems to be a great kid. He gets noticed by these vampires and he ultimately, he gets, he gets killed. And that whole scene is just, oh, it is really, I, I had to close my eyes for some of it because it was just, Oh, it was really uncomfortable, and to hear him screaming and just oh, it was. Uh, and apparently, in the director's cut, it's even worse. So I was like, oh boy, because <laughs> I, I really want to see the director's cut too. So I'm like, uh, but uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was bad. And then um, the monk in um, the Da Vinci Code, him torturing himself, basically inflicting the same pain on himself as. And it's just, oh, it just hurts. <laughs> he has this, like, kind of clamp thing on his leg, and then he whips himself, and it's just, oh, I can't. I've I've watched the movie several times, but it's that one scene that just, I kind of have to look away from because it's just so, 
oh, it's so painful to watch. <laughs> and um, and then uh, in Hellraiser, when they have the scene of the hooks and like stretching the face and stuff, and it's just like, ow, like just, <laughs> it just, oh, you feel it. So yeah, that's um, those are my honorable mentions. <laughs> This is definitely not going to be a bright and sunshiny countdown here. Um, no. I, only have, I only have two honorable mentions that made my list. There's scenes that I thought about adding, but um, I just did. I almost added uh, Gage getting hit by the truck in Pet Cemetery. I almost added uh, Passion of the Christ when... Um, Jesus was getting whipped. I almost added those, but I chose not to. Instead, I added uh, two ones from fairly recent movies, too, actually. Uh, the first one I had honorable mentions was uh, from Birds of Prey, when uh, Harley breaks Roman's driver's legs. Yeah. Oh. Every time, I, every, I, I'm not a huge... I do not, you're going to notice a couple things on my list. A lot of mine have to do with physical pain, just watching it. But, um, you know, watching Harley jump and break that dude's legs and just showing it is like, oh, every every time. Every time I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, when I sit and watch it. <laughs> and, um, and then my second one, I threw him out of the mention. one of the ones I did with Dumbo. I put uh, Billy confirming his mom. And Shazam. Oh, um, yes. It's not, really, it's not really a squirm in your seat kind of moment, but at the same time, it is kind of like emotionally hard to watch now mm. how cold she is with him. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he spent all that time and effort, and she just treats him the way she does. And, oh, it's hard. I, I believe it was I believe it was Brendan and the real fans group shared that on Mother's Day said Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers except this bitch. <laughs> it was the one that played Billy's mom, Suzanne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, what was your number five? My number five um, was Hellboy kissing Baba Yaga. That was disgusting. Although I'm not like the guy that you told me about who walked out during that scene, but uh, (laughs) it was gross. (laughs) It just... So it can't be that bad for you because you sat and watched it. <laughs> yeah, like it and was. You stayed at, and you like, stayed after that. Yeah, like it, it was there. There was a moment where I was like, oh, like I just, I was just like, oh no, oh. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, it was. It, at first, it was kind of like, oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> This is not enjoyable at uh, all. <laughs> yeah, that was, I wouldn't say that was, for me it was really a squirmish thing. It was kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, just the commentary of David Harbour was given during that. So 
noise or hair on your tongue. That one was uh, kind of the most cheerful of my list. <laughs> well, the other one maybe not so bad, but you know, yeah. What was what was your number five? My number five comes from Saw Two, and that's when Amanda gets thrown in the pit of needle strap, and I'll say this right now, I. I'm not afraid of needles at all. My only real fear is heights and water. Mm. And um, but every time I see Amanda get thrown that to the needles, it's like the look on her face when she initially falls in it, and you just see them sticking out of her all over the place. It's like, uh, oh. 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 Ow. Ow. <laughs> I, makes me get why people would be afraid of them just from looking at that and even seeing like behind the scenes like the, of the fake arm that has them all in there and everything it's it's still I think her facial expressions Shawnee Smith facial expressions sell it so you see the pain in her eyes when she's rolling around this pit of needles looking for a key but every time I see that, it's like, it's like the one thing. And I see her face every time I think of that scene, too. I can close, if I, can, if I see that scene, if I close my eyes and think of that scene, I see Shawnee Smith, eyes about as big as dinner plates, <laughs> jaw hanging open. Like, <laughs> I see that every time. And that makes that scene so much worse. <laughs> and a lot of the movies I, I can I can throw this disclaimer out right now a lot of these movies on this list I'm about to read are movies I do like I do love I do enjoy I do like mm. they're just scenes that are hard for me to I get a little squirmy in my seat yeah yeah man in the pit of needles every time will get me mm. <laughs> I haven't even seen that movie, and I just picture it, and it's just like, oh, ow. <laughs> I could just send you a screenshot of the Shawnee Smith's face in that scene, and you would know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number four. Number four? Uh, my number four was, this one's more of a, um, kind of an emotional hit, um, quite the gut punch. And it is uh, from Return of the Living Dead. And it's when Frank, he takes off his wedding ring and he kisses it, hangs it up on a little nail, and then he 
um, pulls out the like tray thing, and the ultimate he then cremates himself because he's turned into a zombie. And it's just one of those scenes where it's just like, oh, it is such a gut punch because you just feel it. Like he's just he knows what he has to do, and he just he also doesn't want to do it because it's just such an emotional moment, and especially when he takes off his wedding ring, and it's just uh it's quite quite an emotional scene. And then to, you know, to hear him, you know, scream for a little bit when he's, he's cremating himself. And it's just like, oh, it's really uh, painful to hear. And then it's just hard to, a little bit hard to watch because it's a bit of a gut punch of a scene. So, yeah. It's quite the bit it all does to start the cycle all over again with, uh, his ashes going up into the air and mm-hmm. causing another acid rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, I just watched that again recently on July 3rd. It was required viewing for July 3rd now. <laughs> but uh, it is such a downer ending. And I remember hearing our friends Guy and Jamie and Tim talk about it on uh, Please Rewind, how it's such a bittersweet ending. Yeah, and Frank is Frank is such an enjoyable character too because I just love him throughout the whole movie. Oh Jesus! Like this, <laughs> that's my favorite line he says in the whole movie because he just says it so many times over and over. Oh Jesus! Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it de- definitely definitely a bittersweet end to a, a like a very likable character too. Yeah. It is, it is heartbreaking. It's kind of a sweet moment where, uh, well, kind of counterbalances how Freddy goes out. Because Freddy goes out trying to attack Tina and, and Bert blinded while Frank decides to take... And it's weird because they got, they got to infect at the same time, and you see that polar opposite of how they decide to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one that hits you right in the feels. Mm-hmm. Um, my number four, much like I noticed a lot of mine, a couple of mine have to do with physical pain. And uh, my number four comes from the movie Donnie Brasco. Oh, yeah. And if you're not familiar, are you familiar with the movie? Yep. Yep. It's the scene where Johnny Depp, where Donnie refuses to take his shoes off in the Japanese restaurant and they beat the crap oh, out of the waiter yeah. in the bathroom. Yeah. And I I know it's a monster movie, so you're gonna you're this is these are things you're gonna see in a monster mm-hmm. movie. And I do love monster movies, but just and they show people getting killed in this movie all over the place, but just still watching them beat the crap out of this Japanese waiter just yeah. because Donnie didn't want to take his shoes off in the restaurant. And he, well, he of course, he has to cover it up because he's an undercover FBI agent, so he can't blow his cover. Mm-hmm. But just like they show the after effects of this dude's face while he's getting pummeled in the bathroom all because they don't want to take his shoes off and... The dude's just trying to do his job. It's the restaurant's policy. He has to take his shoes off. And watch that dude get literally beat with an inch of his life for that. Mm. 
Yeah, it was. I remember that one being. Yeah, when, he, when he plays it over on the tape recorder. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely. I'm in agreement with that. That was a tough watch, tough scene. Definitely a a great movie though. Overall, like a really great movie. Um, but yeah, that scene was particularly hard to to see. <laughs> it's just brutal. Yeah. <laughs> that's like I said. That's the kind of thing you're gonna get in mobster movies. You're gonna get people people getting whacked. You're gonna see people get getting the shit beaten out of them. But just for some reason, that one just gets me every time. Yeah. Like the one scene in the whole movie I do not want to watch. Mhm. I think it's just it's it's such a he's you know he's so innocent like he's just doing his job and. And making a big deal out of, you know, not, you know, wanting to take off his shoes, which you, you know why, you know, he he's refusing. But still, it's just to, you know, beat him up so, beat the, the guy up so badly. Like, just, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I've watched that movie for years now, since high school, so almost 20 years I've been watching that movie, and every time that's like the one scene I cannot watch, just watching that dude get the shit beat out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is your number three? My number three is from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Well, <laughs> mentioning the movie again. And it's when they're they're uh, they go into the cave. They open up the, the door and they go into that kind of cave. And then there's all the bugs and creepy crawlies. Ugh. <laughs> and then when when um, oh, what's her name? Um, oh, Kate Capshaw plays her. Oh my goodness, I've forgotten the character name. Um. Anyway, when she reaches through, when she's saving Short Round and Indy when the, the spikes are coming down, and she re- has to reach through the this little hole to open up, to pull a lever to open up the door. Oh, it's like all the bugs and stuff, and it's just... Ugh, the whole scene with all the creepy collies just... Ugh, it's, it makes me a little paranoid. Like, do I have any bugs crawling on me? Or do you feel something? And it's like, oh, there's, is there a bug? Like, it's just... <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a bug person, are we? Well, I'm, some bugs I don't like, but then I'm, I'm also not bad with others. Like, it's like, ah, oh, whatever, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not the huge fan. <laughs> I'm definitely like, for me, I'm not a huge fan of bees. I don't know. I just have, and I think it's mostly it's a learned thing from my mom because my mom had a traumatic experience with bees, and now she's really not so cool with them. And so then I think I've it's basically a learned thing, but still I'm kind of just ugh, I don't like. <laughs> but yeah, that that one was yeah, that one's kind of ugh, yeah. <laughs> kinda Would you rather be bugs or snakes? Bugs. Yeah. Snakes. <laughs> have to be snakes. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I would, yeah, definitely bugs. Well, I, I promise my number three is my last physical injury one. Uh, my number three comes from The Prestige. And have, are you familiar with that film? I'm familiar with it, but I haven't seen it. Okay, uh, Cliff Notes version of it. Uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, or Batman and Wolverine, are feuding <laughs> magicians. <laughs> and they're trying to like, sabotage each other's um, um, act. Mm-hmm. And Christian Bale, his big trick is the transporting man. So Hugh Jackman's character of Angier, Angier decides he's going to copy it, but he decides he can't figure out how Christian Bale's character does it. So what they do is they find a, a lookalike that looks like Hugh Jackman, and they just have him switch places. So hmm. Christian Bale discovers that when what all Angier does is he drops down below in this box and then he drops down onto a pad beneath the stage so when Christian Bale gets word of this he moves the pad and Hugh Jackman breaks his leg or his ankle in a scene oh. <laughs> every, every time that scene comes on you see crack and you hear the crack oh I was going to say, you probably hear it. <laughs> and Hugh Jackman's character has a cane the rest of the movie. Oh. But don't let that sorry from watching it. It is my, the prestige is my favorite um, Christopher Nolan movie that's not The Dark Knight. Mm. And it's got Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, um, Michael Caine. Wow. Uh, That's Andy Circus. Andy Circus. David Bowie. Wow. All in it, and uh, Bowie plays. Uh, David Bowie actually plays Nikola Tesla. Oh, okay. And uh, they're, uh, Piper Perabo. She's the other big actress in it. She isn't in it very long. But, um, but yeah, very awesome movie. It came out about the same time as The Illusionist did, so like 2005. So another movie I've been watching for like 15 years, and still that one time when Christian Bill moves the pad, the landing pad, and he breaks his leg. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I kind of lied a little bit. I, my number two has something to do with physical injury, but it's more of an animal thing. But it's the my last human physical pain. Mm-hmm. So, what is your number two? My number two is uh, from Doctor Sleep, and it is kind of it's in this sort of not really a dream sequence, but it's sort of like a psychic experience. And the young teenager, she's kind of she's controlling the whole thing, and and she creates this whole wall of filing cabinets. It's got, like, it's labeled, like, dreams, labeled all these different kinds of things. And this psychic vampire 
is kind of infiltrates this scene and she um the teenager has gets um psychic vampire's hands purposefully stuck in a filing cabinet drawer and so she's trying to take it out she you just see her she's like she's getting frustrated because you can't take her hand out but then she eventually does and when she does her, she pulls out her hand, and you just see the skin peeling off her hand. And it's just like, oh, ow! <laughs> I, even, I, when I watched, when I was watching that scene and watching the movie, I, I literally exclaimed that, like, ow! <laughs> I grab my hand, and I'm like, just, oh, that hurts! <laughs> and I just see like all the skin, just, oh. So yeah, that was. Uh, that was the squirmy part. <laughs> so I still haven't seen Decker sleep yet, but I've been wanting to. You should. So it is. I'm, I'm way behind on my movie viewing. Yeah. So am I. I'm still kind of behind on stuff, but but yeah, definitely check it out. It is so good. It is. It could not have been any better. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So what's um what is your number two? My number two comes from one of my favorite movies and that is um it's from John Carpenter's The Thing and that is when the dog the alien creature is trying to assimilate the dogs. Oh yeah. You hear the crying of the dogs just not to be tortured. Then to add to the mix is when uh, McCready comes in and starts shooting the other dogs. Mm. And like, with the exception of the few I just listed on my list, I have no problem watching pain come to people. But I I just have that soft spot um, when it comes to animals being hurt in movies. I know it's all make believe, but it. Because I had the same thing back when I saw it, Chapter One, was uh, when Henry Bauer was pointing the gun at the cat. Mm. A little bit of a different story, even though he did he did not pull the trigger on it. Just, uh, but uh, that was a rough part in my life because when that's when my cat Shadow was gone, she was away from me at that point. So but that hit me a little hard. But uh, yeah, just watching those dogs get killed and being tortured, being locked in this tunnel with this animal is trying to recreate them. And mm-hmm. they have no escape till they get the cage open and a couple of them get to survive. And then you find, and it's a little bit easier towards the end of the movie because uh, for Burnley's character uh, ends up killing them with the axe, but you don't see it. So in some weird way, it makes it a little easier for me. Yeah. Because I don't see it happening, but it's just it's just hard mm-hmm. seeing. And but the rest of the movie I'm fine with. I have no problem with like the scene where the doc is getting his arms ripped off. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the rest of the movie I'm fine with. It's just watching those poor dogs. Yeah. Get killed either get killed either by the creature or by uh, or by McCready's gun. It's just the mm-hmm. hardest thing for me to watch that whole movie yeah yeah I agree that it's definitely that's the hardest part of the movie definitely to watch 
It just, yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely pulls at the heartstrings. Yeah. Let's hurry up and finish and power through all those doom and glooms. Uh, <laughs> what is your number? What is your number one? Is it from Dr. Sleep? Nope. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> if, you, if you say all of Jaws, I will hang up on you right now. It's not. <laughs> Nothing from Jaws. You're good to go. <laughs> it is um, from the 2019 Child's Play, and it's when the cat is killed. Yeah, I forgot about uh, that. I tried to place that on my memory. Yeah, that's... Are, are, are you talking about when he strangles the Yes. Whenever there, whatever part with the cat, it was just not. Well, well, <laughs> he strangles the when they're playing the board game. He strangles the cat with his yeah. I think it was with his collar, and then yeah. we come home and find the cat dead later on. The movie. I think he stabs it with like a broken piece of glass or something like that. From the cabinet yeah. he broke out of. So I was just trying to trying to figure that out. Yeah, that's that was definitely a scene where I knew it was in the movie, and because I saw it on the YouTube video, how somebody storyboarded it out, and when I saw it come up in the theater, I'm like, oh god, no, I cannot watch this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't that's... even think about that because I tried to block it out of my head. Yeah. Well, just briefly, that yeah, that was when that that. Yeah, that scene was was tough, and you know I'm sometimes with me with with animals and things like I'm I'm fairly okay, but then when it's something like that, it's just that that was particularly hard. Like I I didn't watch that. Like I I saw some of it, and then it was like no, I can't. But yeah, yeah, that was so. What's um, what's your number one? My number one. <clears throat> comes from Rob Zombie's Halloween, but it comes from the director's cut, not the theatrical version. And that is when Michael escapes Smith Grove. Um, the difference between the two versions is in the theatrical version, Michael overpowers these guards, uh, four guards, he overpowers them, played by like Bill Mosley and a bunch of uh, Rob Zombie regulars. But in the director's cut, uh, one of the orderlies, played by Lou Temple, um, him and his cousin bring in, he likes, they, they like to fuck with Michael, this Lou Temple's character does. So he brings in this new schizo, I believe she's supposed to be like a schizophrenic inmate, female inmate to Michael's room, and him and his cousin start raping this woman on Michael's bed. And Michael in turn kills both of them, and then that's how he, they start the escape scene from the sanitarium. And I love Rob Zombie's movies; I enjoy a lot of them. But it's that kind of stuff. Why? Mm. Why that have to be there? Yeah. Because the first, the theatrical version, I do love the director's cut in a lot of different ways. 
but that's like the one thing I don't like in the director's cut over the casual uh, version is like because we leave him escaping from the guards, it shows him as this power, him taking on three or four guards, overpowering three or four guards, not him beating up two rednecks that are are raping a mentally ill woman. Mm-hmm. And it's just a like yeah, with Rob Zombie movies, you're gonna get your nudity, your vulgar language, your violence. Violent, right. but like, of all the things I've seen in the Rob movie, that's like the one thing I do not like. And every time, if I had a choice to like put on the theatrical version so I could see him overpowering the girl, see that then the two <laughs> hillbillies rape a mentally ill woman. Yeah, that adds nothing to the story. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they already established in the in the in the earlier scene that that Blue Temple's character was a piece of shit. So you don't need to show him raping a chick to further establish he's a piece of shit for Michael to kill him. Yeah, you kind of it's sort of overemphasizing it when you don't need to. Yeah, you know, you already know that he's he's not a good not a good guy. So you. Yeah, you don't need to see that. So yeah, I could see. Yeah, that's. Yeah, Rob Zombie movies are quite brutal. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's it's vulgar for vulgar's sake. Exactly. Yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of glad I've just seen, I've just seen the theatrical cut of of his version of Halloween, and. Uh, yeah. But. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love this Halloween movie. Um, oh yeah, I like both, it too. Both, both of them actually, but his Tyler Mains a brutal fucking Michael Myers, mm. uh, and he towers above everybody. He's what six foot five, six foot seven, something like that. So he's a mountain of a man playing Michael Myers, which is cool. But just that mm. one scene of so you've seen the version where you, so you know what I'm talking about when he overpowers those guards, gets out that way. Mm-hmm. That is my preferred version of how he escapes Smith Grove and not um, how they decide to put it in the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how about we do away with the dooms and the gloom? Sunny day sweeping the clouds away. <laughs> how about we talk about some of our favorite movie scenes. Before we start, uh, how many arm missions do you have? 10, 12, 15? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've only got, I've got, wait, uh, one, two, three, magic number five. The five of them. <laughs> Although, yeah, yeah, we got five. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So yeah, my um, my honorable mentions was my first one is from Coming to America, and the scene where he's he's in New York and he's like, "Hello, my neighbors. <laughs> fuck you. No, fuck you too." <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. I, I didn't 
I, I didn't mind the movie, but it wasn't one of my, wasn't one that I'm probably gonna watch again. But that scene was funny. That was hilarious. So that was probably one of my favorite scenes. Um, and then my second one is from Rocket Man, and it's the rotating piano scene where he has a concert and it's this whole rotating scene, and you just see the different transformations of, of Elton John, like his different costumes and things, and and it's in that scene that Taron Egerton just morphs into Elton John. Like, it, it's almost like it's a younger Elton John doing that, like it's not Taron. It's just an incredible scene, and, and uh, I really, really enjoy it. I think it's a, it's a... You know, there's so many good scenes in that movie, but that one I think is my favorite. Um... And then uh, my third one is from Spaceballs, and it's when they've um, escaped. Uh, they're just going to leave. Um, they save prin- the princess, and then they're just out. They're back at the uh, Eagle Five, and there's the guards, and they're shooting at them. And the one of the guards shoots Princess Vespa's hair. And she's like, my hair! He shot my hair! Son of a bitch! <laughs> and then she grabs the gun, shoots them all down, and she's like, how was that? And he's like, Lone Star, not bad. And Barf, not bad for a girl. And Dot, she's like, why, hey, that was pretty good for Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> It's so hilarious because she's just like such a a literal princess. Like she's just like, ah! and then she kind of has her her uh, her moment of of badassery. So it was that's just hilarious. Um, and then uh, from Young Frankenstein, um, when uh, Frankenstein he he's with the little girl and they're picking the flowers, and then he ends up like. Throwing her all the way back, back to bed. And... <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> um, and then uh, my final one is from Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and it's the scene that, uh, what are you gonna do? Knock my block off? And his head, the biker's head, flies off. So that's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> so those are my uh, my honorable mentions. <laughs> Big bad Ojo coming to town. So, what do you have any honorable mentions? I had an just from Kong Skull, and that is when the troops first start coming flying into the island. Mm. And uh, Paranoid by Black Sabbath is playing, and just all that right up until Kong attacks them with the music. is just rewatched. I was watched Kong Skull a few weeks ago. Wow, that was a thing of beauty. I do love when a song just gets synced up to a scene. And the music starts to slow down when Kong starts attacking the, the choppers. and mm-hmm. Just a great scene. Yeah, I agree. That one is so good. That whole movie is so good. I've rewatched that one quite a few times. I think I uh, watch it again to get ready for uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong. Yes. Uh, which, which got pushed back to next year. Thanks, COVID. 
I'm still excited for it, though. That's going to be freaking awesome. <laughs> so, there was way too many I could have added. I thought about adding Killer Clowns. I thought about adding My Name is Bruce. I thought about adding all kinds of stuff. But I bring it in and think of scenes that I truly, truly love to watch in movies. While Kong Skull Island is still like, fairly new to me, it's still one I just love. It's like it's like my favorite scene to watch in the entire movie. Mm. So, what is your number five for favorite movie scenes of all time? Uh, my number five, my favorite movie scene is from The Thing, and uh, it's at the, it's actually at the end when um, McCready, Kurt Russell's character says, you know, he finally, you know, defeats the thing, but just before he does, he's like, yeah, fuck you, too. <laughs> it finally destroys him. <laughs> uh, that's just a perfect movie. I need to watch, I need to take after Guy and watch uh, just so I can, I've been wanting to watch it in July just so I can get that feeling of feeling cold instead of yeah. all this heat. Yeah, I'd rather be in Antarctica than in this fucking heat. Yeah, I think I, I watched it that one fairly recently too, and uh, it was on a hot day, and it was just like, yeah, thinking really cold thoughts. It's like, oh, I wish I was there right now. <laughs> you never, you never wish to be in Antarctica. I'd rather hot day. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be in an article of nowhere trying to run from a creature trying to copy me than <laughs> sweating just for standing in the middle of fucking July. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good ending of day. Something like probably McCready's most badass one, but it, it is a good scene for McCready. And mm-hmm. I feel like that, feel like a good send off. It's a good send off on, yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> yep. What is, what's uh, your number five? Well, speaking of July, uh, my number five is the shark reveal, aka you're going to need a bigger boat scene from Jaws. And it starts with Brody chumming the water and you finally get that full reveal of the shark all the way up until the third time that Brody says you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, and they all give chase to it. And that is just great. And that has to be one of the best improvised lines in movie history, too. And fuck you and your Mandela effect. It's not we're going to need a bigger boat. It's you're going to need a bigger boat. And if you don't believe me, Roy Schneider says it three times in five minutes in that scene. But, uh, I do love Jaws. Watch every 4th of July. And um, that whole scene right there, from the time the shark pops out of the water, so you see him for the first time, and then Quint sees him for the first time, and Hooper sees him for the first time, and 
like the back and forth of Hooper and Brody because Brody's afraid of the water, so he's trying to get Hooper or Brody to get closer so he can take a picture of a size comparison. He's like, "What? Are you crazy?" And then Quint trying to get the barrels ready to tie the get the barrels attached to the shark and all this stuff, and just giving chase after it up until it ends with Brody saying, "Call in the coast, call in, see if you can get us a bigger boat." <laughs> Brody, that transfixed and shocked by what he has seen about the size of this 25-foot shark, just hooked on getting a big, needing a bigger boat to bring this thing back in. Like everybody, <laughs> USS Indianapolis scene is a really great scene too. But I just love that first reveal of Bruce hopping on the water behind Brody while he's chumming the water. Uh, I, what makes that seem a little bit sweeter is when Brody's like being that brainy little kid like hey you heard him because he wants to drive the boat <laughs> hey, I can go slow ahead let's come on show some of this shit <laughs> so that's my number five is gonna need a bigger boat than Jaws <laughs> uh, or is your number four uh, my number four comes from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and it's uh, when Indy and his dad are on the beach, and um, Indy's dad uh, goes with the with his umbrella, and he has all the birds go into the sky and essentially take out the the Nazi plane, and I love the the line after that when he's. You know, may the armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. And I love, you know, Indy's look to his father. Just, you know, he has so much love and admiration for him. And and I love it because he had so, like, it kind of, I think, solidifies the relationship a little bit more because it is so rocky and just not, you know, they, they have that sort of father-son relationship, but not really. And I think in that moment, it kind of cements it a little bit because you just see Indy just like, yeah, like he's just really proud of his dad and just, you know, a whole lot of respect points for him. So, yeah, I, I love that scene and, and that line in particular. So, yeah. Oh, go on. This is the woman's name, Marion. Love interest for Indy. Yeah. Marion. Yep. Oh, I just I came across my head all of a sudden. Don't walk around. I just line just popped into my head out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing to say. Lost Ark isn't too fresh in my head either right now. Hmm. I don't watch that one. I the conversation at the moment, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> My throat's starting to go on me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my number four is the reveal of Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman. Mm. Right before right before Doomsday is about to blow Batman away because I don't shit. And then when the death race come, get that reveal, and here is Wonder Woman in all of her badass glory. And when that, when her theme kicks in, 
but oh my god, perfect reveal for a character in any kind of comic movie ever, besides the Joker in the Dark Knight, which I'll get to mm. later. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> that Wonder Woman reveal in BBS, but as much as I talk about our last episode, how much I love that movie, that is by far, hands down, my favorite scene in that whole movie. Mm. And the, uh, the score for her theme is just the cherry on top to that whole scene. Mm-hmm. And you get the scene we got, in the, and then that scene we get in the trailer, is she with you? I thought she was with you. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well done, Jack Snyder. Yeah. Absolutely. It could not have been done any better. So, what is your number three? My number three um, comes from The Exorcist 3. And it's uh, the, the perfect jump scare. Where it's you already have sort of a scare moment previously, but then you have the the camera set up in the hallway of the hospital and the nurse is sort of doing her thing, but then she walks from her, her nursing station desk, whatever, and walks up the hallway, and, and you think like, after the one scare part, you think, oh, you're done, you're safe. It's, yeah, nothing coming up. But then she walks up the hallway, she kind of slowly goes into the room, and then there's the other guy who's and he's like sleeping or when he wakes up and he pops up and she screams or you're like <laughs> it's like the perfect jump scare ever because it's sort of like previously it said like oh it's then and then you're like oh okay you're safe you're fine there's not gonna be anything else nope boom there's another one it's just too perfect so uh yeah, I definitely enjoy that and how it was all set up. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I actually watched it very recently. It was on the last drive-in, and uh, they they played that one. And um, yeah, and uh, yeah, Brad Dourif's performance in that movie is like fucking amazing. So anyway. <laughs> Mini side tangent. Well, there's no such thing as a bad performance from Brad Dourif. No, this is true. I had a feeling you got that from Joe Bob because I watched that too. Yeah, I've been. There's been a lot of movies I've seen lately from that, but I've been following along with it. Movies I didn't expect I'd ever see, but I have now. <laughs> are, are you a fan of jump scares and horror movies at all? Um, I think for me, if they're if they're done right, if it's too overdone or you know, like then that's not such a thing. But if it's done right, like like The Exorcist three and and um. Like even like a little bit in the conjuring too, uh, I that's when I like a, a good jump scare when it's done right and it's not 
you have the, the couple moments or a moment, then it's I like them. Um, but yeah, if it's too overdone or if it's you know they're trying too hard to do jump scares and like eh, kind of loses its luster. But yeah, I don't mind them. Well, it's like every horror movie in the nineties, all the sexy teens. They're like loaded with jump scares left and right. I think yeah. the, one of the most perfect jump scares in a horror movie has to be with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the first one, where mm. uh, Franklin and Sally are going through the woods and she's pushing Franklin in his wheelchair and Leatherface just oh, shines the flashlight on him and Leatherface is right there with the chainsaw. Great jump scare right there. <laughs> Yes, I forgot about that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My number three is definitely different at the other end of the spectrum. Like we usually do. Um, my number three for favorite scenes of all time is the musical performance by the Trilands at the Greek Carnival from mm. the Revenge of the Nerds. Nice. That is, that's definitely best, a good scene. One of the best movie songs ever. Honestly, I have been watching this movie since I was four years old. So 30-some odd years later, I still know every word to that song. <laughs> and if I ever had any inspiration learn to play a violin, it came from that song. It came from that song, too. <laughs> the scene full memorable moments. I can't help but try lamps. What is your number two? My number two comes from The Dark Knight. And it's the... I really like the, the fairy scene. Where they have the fairy full of prisoners and then they have the fairy full of just like the regular people. And I love how it just becomes this big kind of ethical decision because these guys, the two sides have to decide what to do and there's just this whole like debate between the two the two boats and and I just yeah I love that scene so much because this is a big decision of like okay what what do we do we don't really know what to do and let's vote on this and you know like they all kind of come together and be like okay let's take a vote and decide and and uh yeah I remember when I first saw the movie too that was one of my favorite scenes at the time as well it's a very good scene. Um, the Dark Knight will be making an appearance here a little bit, but it won't be that scene in particular. But it is a good scene. Uh, a social experiment. And cameo from Debo from Friday. Make an ultimate decision for the boat full of convicts. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was Debo. After, after Craig knocked him out, he got arrested and he went to Gotham City. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I remember going to like seeing the Chicago River for the first time after that was filmed. Like, oh, that's cool. That's where they filmed that. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I guess I'm not ready to talk about the Dark Knight yet. <laughs> uh, my number two is Jurassic Park. It's the scene where the T-Rex breaks out of her paddock in the rainstorm. 
which people will go down and say that's probably their, when they talk about scenes from that franchise alone, it's their favorite scene. And, and that scene is amazing. And I'm sure we'll probably bring this up in the future if we do our episode on visual effects of computer graphics. That animatronic T-Rex in the ring just looks so badass. And um, probably the thing that terrified me as a child between that, the, between that and the Dilophosaurus things freaked me out as a kid. But growing up for more appreciation of film, seeing how that scene was put together is so well done. Even when um, Tim and Lex are in the blazer or the blazer by themselves, that Rex comes right through the glass and pushes the glass out. That wasn't supposed to happen. So you get a genuine rea- reaction out of those two actors, kid actors, right? That look of actual fear in their eyes, that thing comes pushing through the glass, that thing. Mm-hmm. Just a great scene. And the use of animatronic, had it not been an animatronic, it would not look as well as it does. I don't think that scene would look as good as it does, uh, say, 93. So just under 30 years later, there's no way that scene would look as good. No, I agree. No, no, it, it wouldn't, it would, yeah, it really wouldn't look as good. Yeah, it's definitely a good scene. So, uh, what is your number one? My number one comes from the movie The Untouchables, which is probably my most favorite gangster mobster movie ever. Um, and it's and it's the scene with um, oh I can't remember character names at the moment, but it's Sean Connery and Kevin Costner, and um, it's a line that ever since I've seen the movie, that line has never escaped me. I don't know, and I was fairly young when I saw it too, um, but uh, I don't know why it's it's always been super glued to my head for some reason. But it's also one of my favorite scenes. Um, and it's Sean Connery telling Kevin Costner's character, um, you know, how, how to get Capone. Because Kevin Costner's character is like, I don't, I don't know how to get him. He, he doesn't know. And so Sean Connery's character says, you know, you want to get Capone? Well, I'll tell you how you get Capone. He, you have to, um, and the line is... You know, he pulls he pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He puts one of yours in the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. That's how you get Capone. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> and, I'm just making fun of Sean Connery's accent. <laughs> It was funny, I, uh, this evening, um, my friend Jenny and I, we were talking about what we were going to talk about on the podcast, and uh, I said that that particular one, and she's like, I totally, I was hearing Sean Connery <laughs> in my head. <laughs> it's impossible not to hear Sean Connery's voice whenever you mention Sean Connery in any movie. Oh, exactly. But yeah, for some reason that that scene in line is totally super glued in my head. I'm I'm not sure why, but it's it is one of my favorite scenes and my favorite movies, so what is your number one? 
So that you said that line is super glued in your memory. Mm-hmm. Can't get out of your head. Yeah. You say it's untouchable. <laughs> mhm. I pulled a Rooney. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my, my number one from the dark night and it is the opening scene the bank robbery scene mm-hmm. so from the time you see that faceless stranger standing on the curb to the time he pulls that mask off and it's revealed to be the Joker that is not only probably my favorite movie scene of all time, but also like one of the greatest opening scenes of all time to a movie. And it's very much how he has that scene set up, how he has this whole bank every going down, having one guy whack the next guy. Every guy has their job. So when one guy does their job, okay, bang. Uh, what's your job? Oh, I do this. Bang, bang, bang. Going on down the line. And also, probably one of my favorite lines from Joker of all time is, I believe, whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. Yes. Pulls that mask off, gives us, drives the bus right out of the, out of the bank. Mm-hmm. And he gets the, gets the joke with this little smoke bomb in the bank manager's mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, no one was firing. No one was, we talked about our last episode, no one was firing all cylinders when he made the dark. I really wish we would have kept the momentum going in the dark that rises, but that scene caps off. Yeah. Great movie. We, and we mentioned in the last episode that Ledger is great in everything he's in. This is, this is just like the appetizer of what you get. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, whole, the rest of the movie does. The rest of the movie lives up to that whole opening scene. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, nerds and nerdettes, it's Jared from the future again. This is one of the spots I was talking about where the audio quality got really bad and you couldn't understand what I was saying. So essentially, all I'm doing is summarizing that we just talked about our five most squeamish movie scenes of all time and our five favorite movie scenes of all time. I believe I threw the disclaimer in there about uh, these aren't a definitive favorite movie scenes of all time that speaks for everybody. These are just personal favorites. So I'll send it back to Jared and Melissa from the past to bring it on home. It's at restaurants, right? <laughs> yeah. I cannot do an outro. But Melissa, where can the listeners find you? Well, they can find they can uh, find me on the tweets and Instagrams. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Miss Melissa N twenty five, all lowercase, all one, super easy. Um, and then they can find me on Twitter at Miss underscore uh, Melissa N. And yeah, that's where you, <laughs> uh, that's what where you can find me. Um, and where can they find you, Jared? You can find me on the tweets on the Instagrams at QCA underscore Mista underscore J. And of course, if you're a real Joker fan, you know that Mista is spelled M 
that's where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Most of that now you find on Instagram because, like everybody else, I'm feeling the effects of COVID-19. Can't swing everything, so I don't have all my events. It's just me posting pictures of my girls. So if you like pictures of cats, that's what the internet was made for, wasn't it? You can go over there and give my cats a like and a, like and a comment. Um... <laughs> You can find us on a pod, as a uh, you can find us as a podcast on Facebook, Nerdite Nations Podcast. You can also find us on the tweets and Instagrams at Nerdite Nations Pod. Uh, jump on there, give us a like, a subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us an episode suggestion. Uh, we're open to new things. If you want, we can talk about more things. We'll make you scream more squeamish the more. I can talk about the things I left off my list. <laughs> but, uh, let's talk about little kids getting hit by trucks in Pet Cemetery. <laughs> but um, let's jump over there. Don't forget to find us on our home pod and Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sure you leave us a review and uh, give us some stars so people can find us more. We want to expand our. We at least want to get our name out there. Bring the word of nerd. Out there, broader audience. <laughs> <clears throat> There's many like us that speak the language of nerd. We want to talk to them too. So, with your help, we can. Like we started saying last episode, guys, of course, we're nerds and we're proud of it, but um, it's still scary out there in the world. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. And take care of others by being excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening. Make sure you listen to this before you go to bed. Imagine those needles in Shawnee Smith's face right before you close your eyes. Thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.